Transmitting high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to episode 157. Today's episode is called The Plea. How prosecutors and police basically negotiate with the bad guy and close out a case. It's called the plea. It's gone around ever since Moses was wearing shorts. But is it still effective? Is it polluted? What is missing? In today's society where criminal justice is upside down, is the plea still resourceful and in effect? We'll look at that and much more. How to get in contact with us? It's easy. All you got to do is dial from your computer or your smartphone, RaiderCopNation.com. There, it will take you to all our podcasts, show by show, and test everything 1521, which is um, our show on the Word of God, spiritual journey that we always have that go they coincide with the releasing of a new episode. So the word that I read today will also could be heard on RaiderCopNation.com on the section that says test everything. 15 minutes or less for your spiritual growth. You can't just train in tactics, policing, shooting, Defensive tactics, driving, you've got to also perfect your spiritual talents. All right, uh, before we start our show, we're going to talk a little bit about Governor DeSantis. He's put on his big boy pants, and he uh, is to the cheer of thousands upon thousands of law enforcement officers not only in Florida, but around the country, are cheering for Governor Ron DeSantis as he puts the Watusi kick in the pants to uh, rioters in the state of Florida. Good old Senator, um, not Senator, no, no, slow down now, Congressman, no, 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 slow down, that's what he used to be, Governor DeSantis, and uh, he's done a pretty very, actually he's done a very good job, at least in my book. I know there's a couple of haters out there. There's always a hater out there. But in my book, I think he's um, he's been somewhat uh, on target on, um, on being uh, tough on crime and, and coming up with some good suggestions. But uh, he tackled recently... It's a new bill that uh, is going through the process where, uh, and he made this announcement with, you know, surrounded by law enforcement officials. And the message that he's sending out loud and clear to Thug, Thuglandia, that if you come to Florida and you do this stupidity, you could go to prison or possibility of jail time, six months, and he gives a, a, a bunch of accounts, you know, destroying 
uh, a statue, a burning uh, a statues and, and stuff like that, and any uh, battery on a law enforcement officer. So as a result to this quick thinking on behalf of uh, Governor DeSantis, we have put uh, the brakes on some of these thugs coming to Florida. Now, I'm sure there will be a challenge as time goes on. People will actually think, wait a minute, I think we can get away with this. What do you think? I think it's a bluff. And they'll come down here and they'll try the system. And, of course, some areas are probably a little bit more generous than others, but uh, you're probably going to get the Watusi put on you. Governor Ron DeSantis announced uh, legislation aimed to making penalties clear and predictable for violent disorderly assembly in the state of Florida. So he's not pulling any punches here, and he's letting everybody know. You want to come down here? You want to loot? You want to um, commit battery on law enforcement officers? You're going to have a problem. It is uh, the name of this uh, act is uh, Combating Violence, Disorder, and Looting, and Law Enforcement Protection Act. That's a lot of hands there. And... um, it looks like it's going to be pretty effective. In a one-page document outlined the proposal bill, it would be a third-degree felony when seven or more persons are involved in any assembly and cause damage to property or injury to other persons. Additionally, Governor DeSantis said he would not permit local municipalities to defund the police. If you defund the police, the state will defund any grants or aids coming to you, the governor said Monday. So defund the police. If you're crazy enough, your municipality, you're going to get defunded by the state. State of Texas also did something similar uh, just uh, maybe a couple of weeks prior. So growing tread in the Republican Law and order states. And uh, cheers go out to Governor DeSantis for not putting up with the okie dokie. All right, now, um, number two, gun shows. We are going to be talking about gun shows, gun, gun, gun. Recently talked to Kilo Sierra. And to give you a little profile of what we're going to be doing, we're going to be uh, getting into, you know, revolver, shotguns, uh, semi automatics. Uh, sub-compact, compact, compact, full-size, all that stuff. I mean, we got plenty to go around. And we're going to kind of uh, critique certain models. If we have not tested the weapon ever before, we might, we'll probably, we will uh, go off of video. And there's a lot of professional... Uh, people on YouTube that do videos, uh, reviews on guns. And we're going to be listing some of those on our page as to which specific ones we would go ahead and review. Of course, uh, you know, we might not have shot every weapon out there or, you know, it might be a newer generation 
and we have been on timeout for coronavirus, not being able to go to the range and so forth. So those shows will be will be coming up. We'll try also to throw in Pistol Pete, the gunsmith, to talk about some functionality aspects to some of these guns as well. Still in the planning stage, and uh, I do have one coming up in October, but the possibility of pushing it back, not decided yet, but may all this may start in November. So keep posted. Kilo Sierra is eagerly awaiting as he polishes his guns, giggling hysterically in the background, waiting to get the microphone and the green light to click on, saying, airtime. All right, now, a bit of good news. Los Angeles Sheriff's Office deputies that were ambushed by the circus clown that still hasn't gotten arrested uh, have been released out of the hospital. So thank God they pulled through. And um, shows you that the power of prayer does exist, and we are happy that they're still with us. Their rehabilitation will probably take a long time, and we will continue to pray for them that they find, first of all, this uh, circus clown that pulled the trigger, punish him equally, and they also find their position back in law enforcement. So good news down in uh, the Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Office. All right, uh, the federal government, President Trump is threatening now to take away funding from New York City, Seattle, Portland over unrest. So the Bolshevik states of America might not get funded. Of course, there's probably a bunch of haters out there that say he can't do that. He doesn't have the power to do that. And he did that after he spoke to Putin on the telephone in Russia. And um, they'll call Adam Schiff and they'll just melt away on television. They, talking about the Bolshevik states of America, are totally out of control. Can't do this. You can't do that. Meanwhile, they're getting mugged in the alley. It's amazing. All right, we live, we live in bad times. You know it, and I know it. And a lot of us are gun officiados like Kilo Sierra in the background giggling. We know <laughs> that proficiency in shooting is a perishable skill, and you need to keep up on it. But not only the skill of training and shooting, knowing the law. Knowing your jurisdiction, knowing if you're going to travel to another jurisdiction with your gun, and some tactical training as well. The aftermath that follows a shooting is horrible, and you need protection. I need protection. You should not be out there with any, without any protection at all because then you would be a lunatic by the time the lawyers have their time with you. So we recommend highly the USCCA, and they have 350,000 members. You can join the ranks for as little as $22 a month to $47 a month, depending on the plan that you want. 
You get some real good premiums as far as a uh, million dollars, I believe, on one of them in legal defense, and you'll spend every dime of that in these litigation cases. And uh, you get 350,000 members cheering you on in your case. Look, pulling out your weapon and engaging a suspect that's trying to commit bodily harm to you or someone else is not an easy decision. But joining a group that's going to defend you in the aftermath is an easy one. For pennies on the dollar, you can be a member of the USCCA. And it's this simple. All you have to do is text to a, uh, the word Raider, R-A-I-D-E-R, R-A-I-D-E-R, to 87222. So pull out your smartphone, pull out the text section of it, Dell 87222-87222, and then put the word Raider, R-A-I-D-E-R, and you are on the road to becoming a member of the USCCA. Of course, we get little peanuts off of that. We are an affiliate of the USCCA, firmly believe in that organization and what they stand for, and Believe me, trust me, we're not going to get rich on these things. But we believe in the movement. All right, and speaking of believing and having faith, we are going to read the Word of the Week. From the book of Ephesians, Chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God, that he may be able to stand against the wails of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you can hear more about what I just read, as I said earlier, on RaiderCopNation.com. There's a section there that says test everything. You click on there, on there, and you can hear this message. 15 minutes or less of it will explain more on this text. And um, we do live in wicked times so it's always good to know about these things. The devil is not resting for a moment. Neither are the bad guys that the devil influences to come after the good guy. So you got to be ready, not only physically, but spiritually as well. All right. Today, our main focus is on the plea. Why do police officers have to sit down with prosecutors, vice versa, and discuss the possibility of some type of negotiation for the bad guy? We will discuss that and um, a little bit more as to 
politically it might be turning in these last days. What is going on with the plate? So uh, we're going to have some fun with that. And uh, before we end, uh, I'm going to discuss three cases that um, illustrate the plea. And it'll be short. It won't, you know, I won't have you here for a couple hours. Two hours and a half at least. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. All right. Here we go. Time to get the, the little circus boss and let's get the clowns. It's time to start episode 157, The Plea. <laughs> Contrary to what the police haters out there might tell you and the hate groups that hate and despise police, police play an important role in the plea. Prosecutors and police on mostly every case that they have will consult, collaborate, and clash. That's right, clash. The criminal justice, basically there are two roles. Role number one is policing. Role number two is prosecuting after you found the bad guy. Police, easy functions. They do patrol. And whatever they arrest during that course of that activity, they do investigations and whatever they find in their investigation that is criminal, they will both uh, elements will conduct arrest. Prosecutors, on the other hand, adjudicate, dismiss charges, and negotiate plea trials. They negotiate. They do the behind-the-scenes things sometimes. The teams is basically what they call it, the prosecution team. And that will consist of the prosecutors and any experts that they might be using in a laboratory or um, forensic teams as far as part of the prosecution team. But also police itself, they're a part of the prosecution team. Now, academia believes that police should not be a part of the plea because they kind of see it as an overreach. They kind of believe that there's an ex exemption that, you know, they can conduct the arrest. Of course, they're going to stand in the trial against 
defend it because they're the police, but to have them as part of the prosecution team is a little bit conflictive as to executive powers and all this. If you ask me, it's a little bit of an overreach on academia, and when you're smart, you actually start to sound stupid. You got to be careful of that. And here is a great evidence of that. They believe that the police officers should just conduct the arrest, write the reports, and wait to be called to testify in court and then go about your business. Nothing for you to see here. Nothing concerning you. But it doesn't work that way in reality. Police are connected and they are part of that connection to the neighborhoods that they serve. Therefore, they are representatives of the people in those sectors and neighborhoods. And they have a vested interest. The neighborhood drug dealer, you want to get him and you want to get him good. Why? Because you know that if he disappears, then crime may go down in that neighborhood. So there's an interest. But as we look, academia believes that uh, it's conflictive. It's amazing how you can go to school for so many years and come out dumber. But it happens. 90 to 95% of the cases are disposed of through plea bargains in the criminal justice system. That's a big number, 90 to 95. Police and prosecutors consult in an ad hoc manner. What the hell is an ad hoc? (laughs) No, it's not that one. What does it mean? Well, it's a Latin term. You know, lawyers are real fancy on worded. You know, they don't want you to know what they're saying. So, and it actually means to deal with specificalities or something specific in the case. And I agree with that approach. There are certain things that a prosecutor really shouldn't, or I don't want to say shouldn't, it really would not benefit much the officer for legal definitions or the legal course of action. You know, it's cut straight to the chase. What do you think you can get this scumbag? How many years? And then the police officer gives him his take, you know? We need to put the boot on him good. Or, or, hold on a second. Hold on a minute. Don't hit him too hard. Because I almost got him. And he's almost about to chirp like a bird. Got it? So there's two ways of thinking about this. So the collaboration of the team is very important. But remember, academia believes it to be an overreach of the police. Goofs. Now, through this ad hoc process, which is good because it focuses on prosecutors in their expert area and police in their expert area, and the two will discuss in that specificality of their views. The opinions of both are vital or also. Now, when you see 
academia sticking its nose where it doesn't belong, you should be really concerned. That's how we lost our schools, by the way, in our universities to these goofy nuts. So this comes from leadership and leadership of the top, the district attorneys or state attorneys, prosecutors around the country. Those individuals must lead by example. And chiefs of police, same thing. The agencies that they represent and their command staff underneath them should be a reflection of that, that we are a law and order agency. Both together, to give a positive message to their troops of how important the plea is. Both sides. There is not one side more important than the other. There are critical roles that are different, but not one is more important than the other. Of course, one will address the court and the other one will just sit there and go, what freaking time is it? What is this? My 14th hour of overtime now? All right. Now, it's to me, when, when we look at all this, we see that there's little attention in people like scholars and legislators and judges, even the media. They haven't really jumped on this. You know, we're, we're picking on criminal justice, criminal justice reform, prison reform, jail reform, toilet reform, police reform. But nobody's talked about plea reform. I wonder why. Hmm, strange, isn't it? But this is an avenue where there's a lot of people that are not really interested in the details between police and prosecutors discussing specificalities of cases and how that plea. Now, the plea is in lieu of. In lieu of what? In lieu of going to court and spending a gazillion dollars to convict the neighborhood drug dealer to six weeks in jail. You know, so they plea, they, they get them, they break them down, the, the criminals, that's the, who they are. They break them down by getting them to plead to certain conditions that in the crime, they could plead to a lesser offense, you know. Well, well, I didn't kill him, it was manslaughter. They plead to manslaughter. And that plea now, the defendant, which is aka better known as the circus clown, will feel better about himself because he didn't or she didn't really admit to that crime. Something a little less, but not that one. So they feel better. They feel more positive about themselves as they go serve their time. And the prosecutor uh, wants to clear cases. Now, everybody here has a different objective, different interest. For example, in the police sector, there might be less enthusiasm from the patrol guy to stick it to, let's say, an individual that got pulled over and it subsequently found out that they had uh, several warrants for their arrest. 
Well, you know, the officer might say, yeah, whatever, you know, no big deal. And if you compare that to, let's say, detectives that are building cases, and this clown that you've arrested is a big part of the puzzle. So you're going to want to work with the prosecutor in building these cases, getting leads, all these things. So the play has a benefit. But now recently we've been told in the media that George Soros, better known as Lucifer around some parts, that he is funding prosecutors that are running for election, believe it or not, and that these prosecutors have turned out to be a bunch of wusses. Now, not that I would put gravy in the gravy train, but let's just say if the state attorney or the district attorney, depending where you are, you might not understand my English, let's say from Orlando, Florida, let's just say all of a sudden doesn't want to enforce the death penalty. Why should I enforce the death penalty? Just because it's on the books in Florida doesn't mean I've got to push it. No. A prosecutor. I do what I want. Well, that, my friends, happened. And the governor of Florida at the time said, what are you, a lunatic? And took a felony murder one case from her jurisdiction. That's right. The prosecutor in Orlando was a her or is a her and put it in another jurisdiction, basically saying that what the prosecutor wanted to do is contrary to the oath of office. You can't just, uh, I'm going to prosecute only to this level. That's not what you swore an oath to. But these individuals did other swearing of other oaths, oaths that we do not know about behind closed doors to his emperor, Georgie Soros. So if you notice all the campaigns that, and I'm not going to post it down the show notes, we're going in that direction as we get closer to the election. So believe you, my friends, I'll have the freaking list for you at a later time. But if you notice all the prosecutors that Soros has funded through political action or whatever hiding mechanisms he uses to hide like a snail so nobody could say, oh, look, he's trying to ruin the country. So you notice that all these jurisdictions are democratic and they have high crime. Could be coincidental or it could be by a plot. Could be. Looks pretty good. If this was a mystery, it'd be an interesting one. All right, so you got scholars, you got legislators, you got judges that could care two rats' asses why police and prosecutors work together on what's called the prosecution team to plea cases. So it kind of baffles me also why Adam Schiff hasn't run down the hallway screaming hysterically, bobbing those big ugly eyes of his out of his head screaming 
It's all Trump's fault why these pleas are happening. There could be an impeachment behind that. We'll have to ask Nancy. But now, the question is, who's checking this? Who checks the process of the plea? Well, some people might say the judge. Maybe, maybe not. Because there is consultation between the prosecuting team and the defense team, right? They're the ones that got to negotiate. Defense team, their job is to get their client off from the crime or serve the little amount of time as possible. The prosecution's goal is not only to close cases, that's it, gotta go to lunch, but also to get convictions because convictions mean good for my career as a prosecutor. So, pleas are an automatic ching-ching, guilty, I win, I get a point, right? So, everybody has a different type of interest in this game. And, uh, unfortunately, it is a game. Some cases that should be dealt with very severely uh, kind of die out, weasel out in the plea down the line, and uh, which is sad. But these are human events, and humans make mistakes. And as a result that they make mistakes, we've got to live with that mistake that they've made. Simple as that. All right. Let me go into some uh, interesting data. Back in the 1970s, the Association of Prosecutors, whatever they were called, they determined 25% of district attorneys or state attorneys never consulted with police on the case's outcome. 25%. That was back in the 70s. 1990, 1992, the data shows 12 to 10%. Uh, never give a deposition to the police reference their case. From 25 down to 10 to 12. Kind of means that the generation is now a little bit more uh, in tuned in the process. Now, this doesn't mean that the plea is better. It probably means that the communication method is easier for the prosecutor to tell the police, most likely through electronic means like emails and stuff like that, where the police officer now has an outcome of his or her case. Most of the time prior to the electronic magical age, you kind of found out when you arrested the guy the second, third, and fourth time what happened to his last case unfortunately so today because communication is much more effective the the officers in today's society are a little bit more in tuned to that negotiation with the prosecutor all right case study back in the 70s and 80s three counties in new jersey that's right new jersey 
and uh, 50% were never discussed with a plea. No, let's just say the, the prosecutors never really discussed it with the police. So 50. So what does that mean? It's a hit or miss. What it also means is depending who the police officer is and depending who the prosecutor is, depending the conversation. So this is very subjective. And 60% had little discussion back and forth, prosecutor and police in the state of Rhode Island. So what are our takes from all this? Well, our takes are this. When I was an academy instructor, and I mostly dealt with laterals, people came from other agencies already, sworn, and they were going into the agency that I served, we would give them our version of a kind of easygoing academy um, just to get them up to departmental policy and procedure uh, directives, that kind of thing. And most of uh, the individuals did not, you know, one of the biggest questions they always had is, how should I act in this agency, opposed from the agency I came from? And I would often tell them, don't fake it. Be who you're going to be day one, not day 227, day one. So if you're a young, energetic individual, you're in the police academy and you're soon to graduate, once you go out there and you've got to start making arrests, get in the practice of discussing, meeting, knowing, understanding the process with the prosecutors. Forget what you learned in the academy about criminal justice 101. This has to be done on a personal level between you and that prosecutor. Because in the course of your career, you'll probably come across that same prosecutor again. You build a relationship. So there will be a lot more lines of communication. If you just go in there with your little notepad and say on the above date and time, the subject did, it's not going anywhere. You're not building. So officers, your role and your responsibility is to build relationships. You represent the community. Therefore, you know what the community's response is going to be based on the person you were arrested. You know what their interest is therefore you can better uh, negotiate the plea and illustrate that and discuss that with the prosecutor okay don't be intimidated because you're new because new in what sense you know you've been here 10 minutes or you've been here 30 years you are the individual, regardless of the amount of time you have in grade, to start building those prosecutional relationships so that these individuals will 
come across justice more swiftly. Also, you have to understand that there is a fine line and you should not be crossing it as a law enforcement officer. Let the decision, I, I would firmly say, <clears throat> you want to be aggressive in your position with the prosecutor. You want them to know how you feel and why you feel like that because that goes a long way. But let the decision be the prosecutor. If they kind of plead to a lesser charge, all right, there'll be other opportunities. Uh, and that trust will start being built. The prosecution has an important role too. They're going to want to get the plea so they don't have to go to trial, which is, you know, a sensible uh, position that you can have. So giving that prosecutor so much resistance will make it a little bit more difficult for that individual. So you got to keep that in mind too. Officers have an important role when it comes to the plea. And they should not be silenced because the prosecutor, he's got a high school diploma. Should it, Do I have to talk to him? Yes. And officers need to give that persona to the prosecutor. You're not going to do this on your own, Jack. I did the arrest, and I'm going to help you carry the process. Throughout the United States, this is not a common practice, what I've been talking about. Some jurisdictions do not allow police officers to be part of the prosecution team, which is stupid and ludicrous because when the officer has to, you know, testify and there has to be some cross-examination zone, come on, they are always going to be on the side of the prosecutor. But that's our left-leaning community where not only defund the police, but de-intelligentize, is that a word? I don't know, but I just made it up now, the police also. Take the intelligence out of their brains and remove it. And that's what they're doing with some of this uh, plea bargaining business. And I I just didn't pull this out of the hat. What am I going to talk about next week? Let me see. Oh, look, plea. Look what came out. This is the next stop on the train for the lunatic Bolshevik states of America. They are getting their lawyers, the lawyers, the lawyers are getting ready. And they're going to start attacking some of these pleas. And, you know, George Soros is funding as many state attorneys or district attorneys that he can. But, you know, the check only goes so far, we're going to have to start corrupting it other ways. So the bond should be there between police and prosecutors. It comes from the top. They should start exhibiting that. And 
it goes straight down to the guy that just started yesterday. The guy that started yesterday needs to be firm in his plea negotiations with the prosecutor. Meet a friend. I used to tell the young up-and-coming Academy stars, be a player in the game. If the people that you work with don't smile at you, hey, smile at them. If they don't say hi to you, hey, say hi to them. If they don't talk to you, hey, whoa, talk to them. Be who you're going to be that first day. You weren't just hatched or born that first day. You should have come to the department or the agency with some type of brains. And as such, you should administer that since day one. Even if you are on part of a prosecution team with some police officers that have, let's say, 30 years in grade, and you got a week, doesn't mean that you're the silent partner there. You're not allowed to talk because, you know, they got two dinosaurs. What am I going to tell them? I don't even know what I'm doing. Am I supposed to be parked over there by the pump? But you should. And as good examples, those senior officers will tell you if you're on point or not. I'd rather know who you are from the word go. And what would probably piss me off if I was, you know, you know, 30 years in grade, is that day 227, all of a sudden, now you want to ask stupid questions. And I go, well, what the hell? Where, where, where the hell were you 226 days ago? Nothing. You're just sucking your thumb. Now, all of a sudden, you want to have this big negotiation with the prosecutor. So be who you're going to be. If you took this job serious, you took the oath serious, that means you got to follow every process serious. There was a guy I used to work with. His name was Jerry. He's a firearms instructor. And uh, Jerry had the habit of getting a lot of traffic tickets. When he'd come over to the academy and he would drive on the expressway. And if he saw that you did a, a traffic in, infraction, he'd pull you over. And he's headed towards the firing range anyway and write your quick ticket and Jerry loved to give out tickets and he wasn't shy about it and I remember once I was in a courthouse myself and I saw Jerry now I had only seen Jerry in his customary costume for employment which was an instructor's uniform and firearms red shirt black pants boots but this time I see him in court and he's got like a shirt and a tie and a briefcase and he looks sharp. I go, Jerry, where you going? Where you going? What are you doing? Are you getting sued? And he said, No. I always come to court dressed properly. That's how I was trained. So Jerry was of the perception the way they see you, they treat you. Jerry was on point. Be like Jerry. Now, you might not want to put on your Sunday best to go to court. 
But Jerry was letting people know in his illustrious career of 30 years, it's the same guy since day one. Wasn't going to change. Maybe some people that started on his 29th anniversary didn't understand him, but they would. Eventually, they'd figure it out. When they see him on day 227, look at me. He's all dressed up again, going to court. So that is the most important part. All right, let me read these. Um, I'm actually not going to read them. I'm only going to read one for the sake of your ears and time. But to give a little illustration of a plea. Now, these are actual uh, headlines from the media. Golden State Killer pleads to 13 murders. I'm not going to plead to 14. It's not going to happen. I'm only going to go to 13. But this was an actual case, believe it or not. And the Golden State Killer was a police officer. Former California police officer who became known as the Golden State Killer told victims Friday he was truly sorry before he was sentenced to life in prison for decades-long string of rapes and murders across a wide swath of California. So uh, the officer's name, um, the former officer, better known as the scumbag now, was uh, named Joseph James D'Angelo. And a lot of these crimes happened between the years of 1975 and 1986. And But he pled to 13 murders. Not anymore. Just 13. Sometimes you got to wonder what difference does it make. But that's uh, an example. One example of the plea. Here's another one. 74 face federal charges from Portland's protest. 74 people are now facing federal charges related to protests. They have rocked, rocked Portland, Oregon for three months since George Floyd was killed. The local U.S. attorney announced Thursday. The misdemeanor and felony charges include assault on federal officers, arson, damaging federal property. So, 74 people are being charged and the process now of the plea is going into full effect. Now, I know there's a lot of diehard Americans out there that see these hippie likes burning things, bringing down statues, acting just cutting the fool. And everybody, including myself, would like to see them get not a lot of time, maybe life in prison with no air conditioner. But the 74 are all going to be afforded pleas. And that, not pleas as in, excuse me, but plea as in a couple days and you can go home. All right. And the last one, which I, I found, uh, Pretty interesting. It was, a, it was an article I actually picked up. And that is uh, seven, seven things cops know that would scare most citizens. Seven things that cops know that would scare most citizens. Here we go. 
Number one, life is short, death is unpredictable. Number two, life is unfair. Number three, the thin blue line is very thin. Number four, victims can be idiots. Number five, crime pays. Number six, victims are never made whole. And number seven, the blue wall is not how Hollywood portrays it. So, there you have it. We will post this on the show notes for your reading enjoyment. All right, Song of the Week, Barbie Darren, better known as Robert Casalto. Casalto. Robert Casalto, that was his real name. Barbie Darren was the stage name. And we're going to look at the song called uh, Make Someone Happy. Bobby, let's go, man. Where are you? I can't hear Bobby. Uh, There comes Bobby now. Here he comes. Here he comes. Bobby's playing Make Someone Happy. I believe this was 1963. Now, you can make either the prosecutor happy or you can make the defendant happy. (laughs) You like that one, how I threw that one in. All right, up next, episode 158, de-escalation versus de-escalation, which one? Now, for this episode 158, we will have to have an actual quiz. There are two forms of de-escalation. And I'll explain it during 158. One is dealing with use of force, and the other one is dealing with psychiatric individuals. Are they the same? If not, do they ever become the same? Or, better said, do they ever, are they both prevalent in an incident? That's the exam for those that are listening. Episode 158, up, it's up next, De-Escalation versus De-Escalation. Which one? That's the name of the title. September 30th, and we will discuss, do they ever come together in an incident? And do they become kind of, you know, similar and and not not in carrying it out, but in procedure. I'll explain it better during 158. I'm on plea right now, so I'm thinking about that, not thinking about the other thing. As always, continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your community because... They need you. Continue to pray for your family, for the law enforcement agencies that serve you, and most importantly, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out. And guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains 
to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet. Thank you.